This season of Keep Calm and Carry On is sponsored by Act London, the premium natural deodorant balm for all genders. Hello and welcome back to Keep Calm and Carry On. How are you guys doing out there this week? So things are changing, pubs have opened up, the shops have opened. And have you guys had your jabs yet? Uh, you know, I'm still waiting for mine. I'm, I'm kind of thinking I should contact them. Anyway, I hope you guys have had a great start to your week. And also, a thank you to our new sponsors, Act London. The new deodorant balm that is honestly amazing. I'm hooked. I, I swear to you, I am. I'm on this new... Um, a new uh, fragrant one at the moment. It has like eucalyptus and mint and orange it's just divine it was set up by two west end performers and it was tested on actual west end performers and they sent lots around and we tried it out and honestly it's brilliant it's also plastic free there's no plastic and i don't know if any of you guys have been watching any of the documentaries recently i don't know if i can name them but it's a big thing i think we need to be a bit aware of our environment at the moment as well always not just at the moment so anything that helps the environment plastic free is always a good thing so check them out we've got a special discount later on in the show and i promise you it's just worth having a go i was very skeptical and i'm a convert now i promise you i won't use anything else also a big hello to you guys oh it's just joyous to be back it really is and be back in the swing of things. It feels like things are changing. I've got a new video out with my new Panic Attack 2021. Go check it out. It's on YouTube. I promise it'll make you smile. So, up this week, a dear, dear, dear friend. She's like a national treasure for us. She really, really is. Of course, she's married to my rock star friend and is one of the biggest TV celebrities of our time. Ah. If you're an EastEnders fan or if you're a Strictly fan, you're not going to want to miss this chat. Please welcome, oh, the wonderful Anita Dobson. Anita, thank you so much for being here. It's not only amazing to hear you, but to be able to see your lovely face. And you look so glamorous on Zoom, by the way. Um, But to have you here, so lovely. Thank you so much for doing this for me. This is awesome. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. It's nice to be here. I'm so thrilled. Um, I've been trying to get you on for a little while, actually. And and, uh, I know you're super busy. And I have a little confession to make that I... I thought I knew most about your uh, career and everything that you've done. And, you know, just from knowing you and, and, and talking to you and, be, and knowing obviously what you've done on the telly and stuff. But I had a little nose about you last night and I can't believe, I'm actually slightly embarrassed and humbled by the amount of things that you have done in your career. It is how you fitted it all in. I do not know. <laughs> You've been like a superwoman. It's it's unbelievable. But um, yeah, I've got lots to talk to you about, about careers, highs and lows, all that kind of stuff. Um, but how's lockdown been treating you first? How, how it's been a long year and especially for people in the arts and, you know, you're a big uh, advocate of the arts and, and uh, you know, have been doing it for a very long time. How has it been for you, I guess, career-wise, personally, first, career-wise? Um, well, being very taken away challenging, mm. very challenging. I mean, it, it started off when it first happened. I had gone up to, um, to Manchester to a studio to um, do a costume and makeup check for a little telly I was doing. And 
I felt a little bit uncomfortable because it had just the news was just out that it had broken, mm. not actually in the UK so much, but abroad. And because um, everybody was not really taking any precautions whatsoever. No. And um, I went to bed that night and I got a, um, an email at five o'clock the next morning, because, you know, you have to get up early for telling, <laughs> um, saying, please don't come in because the studio's shut down. Uh, we have a COVID alert. Uh, somebody's been in contact with someone and so we are shutting down till further notice and that was the end of that that was March 13th and since then I've I now have a new life I'm a Stepford wife (laughs) (laughs) it's so tough though isn't it it's really I think being in and out of it as well I mean for me when it's loosened up a little bit I've been able to do the odd thing here and there at a socially distanced kind of you know, set up, which hasn't been ideal, but it, it's really hit us, hasn't it? I mean, I think, yeah. I don't know if everybody's quite taken in how much the arts are so important, not only for us on stage and, you know, filming and doing theatre, but for, I've been speaking to a lot of people that, that are avid theatre goers and they go, that's their thing, that's their escapism, that's their, you know, two hours that takes them away and does them good for their mental health and it's mm. it's affected so many people but I hope I hope we get we get back out there soon in some form so do I I do have a strange feeling though that life really will never be quite the same for a long long time if ever because it's affected the whole world and our society in so many different ways mm. not just you know our work our mental health that our relationships, um, the way we trade, um, the way we get around the world. I mean, there's so much that's going to have to change. And in a way, although it's kind of all of it is so deeply shocking Mm. and terrifying, it's like a science fiction movie that we're all in, isn't it? Um, I do feel that in some strange way, it will actually, if people can listen and learn the lesson, that maybe this is the chance for our planet to make a head start in actually beginning to survive and treating creatures, the mm. earth, everything in a much better way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even on a, a home scale, you know, going out for taking the dog for a walk or, or just being outside, you notice so much more wildlife. You see so many more birds. Yeah. You see so many things that perhaps either we've not taken notice of before or just they haven't, because the hustle and bustle, they've just been hiding away. So it's, it, yeah, let's hope so. Let's yeah. hope it's a, do you, in your lockdown home time, do you still, do you get up? Do you have a routine? Do you, do you get glamorous? Do you, or do you kind of just, <laughs> just take it day at a time? I take it day at a time, but I have to tell you, it's harder work. I now have such respect for housewives. How they do it, I, I have no idea. How we, I mean, we have a career and we escape, don't we, yeah. that kind of domestic life yeah. and get away and just, and have our own identity. At home, it never stops. Yeah. You know, you're cleaning, you're washing up, you're filling the dish. It's boring. Yeah. Filling the dishwasher, emptying the dishwasher, cooking, cooking, cooking. I mean, cooking, yeah. cooking and cooking. Do you like cooking? It's, I used to, but now it becomes... <laughs> something that I have to do it's the choices it's the decision of what what to make that drives me insane I'm like I don't want to make the decision I just oh. I can't I just can't it drives exactly that I mean I think that's the bit I found the hardest and it's been lovely to spend time with the family and be at home but it's that escapism when you get to go away and do a job and you're just you you just have to concentrate yeah. on you you haven't got to worry about the house or be exactly all those things that you do at home it's it's it is that escapism which is lovely have you been doing anything um 
uh, I guess showbiz related have you been doing any any readings or anything or have you just literally shut the doors and said I'm not doing it until we can get back out there well there is an element of that yes I do feel for somebody of my age I mean you said I've had a very long and varied career it's only because I'm old no (laughs) you look incredible though whatever your secret is I need to know we'll talk about that later I just just need a good iron that's all and I am from neck to the to ankles um I suppose I did. I mean, at first I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't have to work. I actually have been given permission to be at home. So it was all very jolly. And then slowly the kind of the rot set in that actually this was it. And there was no choice. You know, as you say, the choice was taken away. That's what you're going to do indefinitely. Mm. I've done little bits and pieces. Yes, I've done. I've done sort of like uh, readings for Christmas concerts and stuff like that. They were so yeah. your and Christmas things poems, you put on yeah. the on the uh, on social media were just. Yeah. I remember seeing it pop up and and it it it's you know you don't you don't really do much social media. I was going to talk to you about that. You kind of I don't know yeah. if that's a if that's a choice that you steer clear of it or if it's just too consuming. But when I saw your face <laughs> pop up on on my Instagram and I, I was just captivated and what's interesting about this lockdown time is that people have been stripped of all their uh, comfort blankets. You know, we don't have any sound. We don't have any lighting. We don't have any TV cameras. But what (laughs) is interesting is when, you know, somebody who's so brilliant at what they do, just you were reading stories to the screen and it was captivating and it was so magical. And it's those times that it breaks your heart and you go, it's this this is what's happening to our industry it's amazing what people yeah. are managing to do and share and put out there but oh it's heartbreaking because people should be out there doing it properly and and getting you know communicating but yeah, yeah. it was amazing it was lovely also I think for me I did a tiny little bit of um tutoring which I loved but it was so frustrating because you can't contact the person there's that little girl sitting there joyous and wonderful and you just want to put when she does something wonderful you just want to reach out and put your eyes on and go fantastic you can't yeah so you can't connect in the same way I find it very frustrating yeah it is frustrating it's tough well let's talk about some jollier things other than lockdown (laughs) um some people might not know like when how did it start for you I mean what what inspired you to go into acting did you you trained I know you trained but what was it that kicked it off what what was it that inspired you to go into it but apparently at the age of four, I was taken to a pantomime at Hackney Empire uh, by my mum and my granddad. I mean, I'm sure that there was other family members there, but I, particularly those two, the story has been passed on. And they said that I got up and did the, and did the whole panto with this, the actors in the aisle. I just stood there and copied them and jumped up and down and sang, uh, which must have annoyed them <laughs> unbelievably, um, this little brat. And then when we got home, I proceeded to then perform the whole pantomime to them again. Oh, God, can you imagine? I love that. Shut that child up. You know? Oh, I love that. Um, and my grandfather apparently said to my mother, she's got the sawdust in her blood. You want to watch her. Um, and apparently that was it. So I'd all, already started to display a desire to just, I don't know, to just um, perform I suppose yeah and and I I didn't really do very much I did a lot at my primary school because I had a wonderful English teacher Mm. it was English teachers really that actually was the hook um and so I did lots of plays there and then when I went to my secondary school my grammar school it was all academic so there was no nothing to do with the arts 
at all, really, mm-hmm. except my English teacher again um, said to me, you know, you, you could be a writer if you want on whatever. And we did a couple of tiny little bits of acting and then that was it. It disappeared yeah. forever. Um, so my mum said, well, you could go and do a class. So I used to go Saturdays to a little acting group called Toynbee Hall. Um, which was lovely. I adored it. Oh. Um, we were all there were all sorts of people. One boy was a, a taxi driver. Somebody else was like me, still at school. Others were doing jobs in shops. There's all a real mixture mm. of just East End, you know, kids. Um, and from there, I cut it. Get to the chase. Um, not much happened at school, so I, I sort of just lost it a bit and did, did the amateur stuff. And then uh, somebody, when I left school at sixteen. Um, somebody said to me, you haven't gone to university because I, I was useless. I mean, I just switched off at school. Once they, I realised they weren't going to connect the teachers. I, Not interested, yeah. They said, you can get a grant and go to a drama school and you can do more acting. Uh, so I went to this little evening class as I used to do um, temping. I taught myself, I uh, went to a touch typing class and I used to touch type and do temp work and enough to pay the mum a little bit of money and keep myself in types and um and then I didn't bother to go the rest of the week so I joined this evening classes and um it was a teacher there who said to me if you apply for a grant because they were still doing grants then home grants um you can get a, a so I did I applied and I auditioned I didn't get in in the first audition wow. and went home and cried my eyes out oh. I mean, it's never gonna work oh. it's all... and my mum said if you're gonna fall down at the very first hurdle you might as well give up yeah. get up and go back out and just blitz the lot of them so I did and then started to get in and I went to a place called Weber Douglas in uh, South Kensington where so I come from Stepney right with a very very high cockney accent I used to talk like that <laughs> and are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, so when I went to this, I went with a friend of mine to this drama school and there was a pub on the corner. So we thought we'd go in there and see what they're like, the people that go there. And they were all terribly far back. And I was like, no, 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 I don't think so. No, mummy wouldn't like that really, would you? And I was like, oh <laughs> my God. So I used to go there in the daytime and learn to talk proper. And then I'd get on the train and go home and I'd say, hello, mum, you know, we, we had a really good day. So I had two, two personas, you know, and I've been like that really all my career. Wow. I've had kind of two hats. So one that was Angie Watts, if you like, for want of a better description. And the other one that was somebody that could talk like she was on the BBC. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's acting. All, that is acting, though, isn't it? It's living it's living and being those characters. And that's it's mm. almost like you were kind of training and then putting it to practice like in real life, that's amazing. Were your family also, kind of, uh, were your family um, creative? Did you was it kind of passed down from anywhere, or were you the first? I don't think I was the first. I know I had a great great grandfather who was an opera singer, and my uncle on my, I think on my mother's side, um, used to was part of was one of the original goons. He was on the. Oh. And and somebody else was in music hall, you know, trod the boards in music hall, sort of. So it was it was like far back. There was nobody in the immediate yeah. kind of line that was anyone, but it was somewhere in the family. And my father, um, God bless him, had a an absolute love of words. He loved the written word, and he used to write little poems to my mum for you know in their. I used to always sit and read them, you know. That's so, so romantic. romantic. <laughs> yeah, it was. He was a very eloquent man. He had beautiful writing as well, and um, and apparently my mum said that when they first met, he wanted to to be an actor, but 
to, to be an actor, you had to pay £16 to the theatre or the place wherever you were. And he didn't have the money because they were so <sighs> poor. So he didn't go. So he, it was must have been in my father. And he gave me my love of the written word. He introduced me to Shakespeare wow. and to Oscar Wilde. And and it was from that, really. He used to keep quoting things like, if I remember something happened at school and... Um, I said, you know, I haven't paid the, the money and I owe it to them. What am I going to do? And he said, neither a borrower nor a lender be. And I go, did you make that up, Dad? Or you know, where did you get it from? And he used to say Shakespeare. So eventually um, somebody bought me the complete works of Shakespeare. And um, and that's really, I think that was where the, the flame was true. It was not just lit. It was lit quite early on. But that was where it was. It started to, mm. to blossom. You know, it started to, to grow and, and actually become something that was, a desire, you know, for me to do. I, I, and it's the people you meet, isn't it? Mm. All the people you meet in your life, they they move you on or they, they give you a little thing. I had a wonderful voice teacher at um, drama school and um, she was wonderful. She was terribly grand. And she looked like somebody who, <laughs> who should be teaching ballet, you know, with a walkie yes. Her hair was always pulled up, you know. And so, I look a bit like her now, I think. <laughs> she was lovely. Sheila Moriarty, her name was. She's gone now, bless her. But she, when we met, she said to me, darling, you can't go through life with a voice like that, Dan, she said. You would drive people insane. <laughs> we must drop your voice. She said, if you want to do Shakespeare, and which I did, obviously. Mm. Um, she said, you know, so I used to walk around for about a year. I think I walked out and I talked like that, very, very low, <laughs> with a deep voice, being interesting. And my mum used to say, what are you talking like that? And I said, well, they told me at drama school that I have to get my voice. <laughs> Madness, you know. So I still have this giddy kind of top Cockney voice and also this deeper voice that um, Sheila Moriarty helped me find. And and she said to me, one thing she said to me, which I'll never forget, which was really useful, and I pass it on to a lot of kids if they want, if they ask questions. She said to me, good. She said, now you can actually, you've got more choice in what you can perform because you fa we found your voice, your resonance. She said, but never, never lose your roots. That's what will sell you. That's who you are. She said, so never lose that. And thought, was wow. she right? Was, or was she, she right? right? Well, that was, I mean, yeah. I, we'll talk about EastEnders in a bit. We'll get to it. I definitely have to talk about it. But um, leaving college, was there, how was it for you? Because I mean, at, at the moment when I talk to students, I mean, it's very different time now especially with you know the virus and how how theater is you know the opportunity is very difficult but pre-lockdown um you know when I've spoken to various students leaving college has been quite a tricky time because it's the chicken and an egg with the with the agent scenario you, you need to get out there you need to work but getting that experience to get an agent and get a job is is really tricky how was it for you leaving college we I mean you seems like you were supported very much by your family which is amazing yeah. Um, but how was it when you left college? Was there an immediate first job or did you, what did you do? Well, I was lucky, but I have to say to you that nothing changes. Um, it's catch 22. Mm. There's always going to be that thing of you need the job, but in order to, to do the job, they need to see what you can do. So you need to get a job to get the job, if yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. which is insane, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But um, but that's never going to change. You know, and people always used to say to me, you know, oh, you know, it's a really tough year this year, you know, for people leaving. And I used to talk to older students, younger students, people that were in the business. 
it was the same then. Always. Every year was a tough year, you know. It's like, so uh, the thing I pass on is it's tough, yeah, it but get tough. over it. Mm. You know, that's the way it is. You know, But if you love it, you're going to do it anyway. That's the thing, isn't it? You're going to, you, you get knocked down like those, those um, weebles, are they called? Whatever those things that you push them and they roll, but then they always oh, come weebles. back to centre again. Weebles, yeah. weebles wobble, right. but they don't weebles. fall down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My mum gave me my shit. That's what you've got to be like. Look at that shit. Push it. Look, doing, doing, doing. Back to centre. So true. So I had a lot of kind of, but I was lucky because um, what we used to do at Weber Douglas, we had it was uh, just short of three years. So it was two years and then two terms. And in the last two terms, agents would be allowed to come and see you so that possibly you might get picked up. Um, and because the intake that I went in on was very small that year, um, what they did, when we got towards finals, they, they, they said, we're going, because it's such a small year, we're going to split you up. Some of you will, will stay down and do an extra year and then do finals. And some of you will do an extra finals. So you'll do three three terms yeah. of finals and I was lucky I got put up so I did three terms of finals you know wow. so the and I thought well, this is fantastic but of course the first term they give you all the rubbish parts don't they <laughs> so I, the first part I got was this old bag La Pompia in a locker place she was 150 you know and and I you mean, were how old really, you were probably I was what teenager. I was what not 20 yeah something like that <laughs> And um, and I remember thinking, oh, God, this is a nightmare. What a crap part. But actually, it was a brilliant part. Once I got into it, I mean, I stole the show. It was great because she'd creep on and off, you know, and, and be doing all sorts of devious little things. I loved it. And it taught me the lesson. There's no such thing as a crap part. There's no such thing as a crap part. What? It's so... It's, a, it's, it's, it's not what you do. It's not how many lines you've got and how many scenes you've got. It's what you do with your stage time. Oh, that's so true. And it's, but it's amazing you learned that so early on because I don't think you do. Well, generally, I don't think people do learn that early on. And people get, you know, they want to be up front. They want to be saying all the lines. And then once they do that and they understand that responsibility of how that is, they then don't want that anymore. They then want to do something that's, you know, creative and fun. And that it's, but that's, that's such a good way of putting it. That's, it's, and it's great that you learned that so early on. Um, yeah. What was, what were, you went on to do lots of, I mean, you've done everything, TV, film, theatre, musicals. And did you go looking for telly? Was it, was telly your route that you, that you wanted to do? Or was it theatre? What was kind of, where was your heart taking you? Well, when I went to, I mean, I, I I loved doing my little bit of acting, but I didn't really, to be honest with you, know what I wanted to do. Everybody said put her on the stage, but I thought, eh, you know, I don't know. Is that what I want to do? Is that what you want me to do or is it what I want to do? So I left school at 16 for four years. I did all sorts of different jobs. I was a coat model at CNAs, you know, I was um, a receptionist. I was a touch typist, you know, all sorts of dis mm. worked in different shops, you know, also, which was great because you're observing life, you know, worked in pubs, restaurants, whatever, whatever. And then I went, found this little drama group, which I loved and all sorts of fabulous things happened. Like we got sent to Prague on an exchange group. You know, I was, it was um, the Inner London Education Authority. So a group of us went to Prague uh, in Czechoslovakia to perform a little show called Oi because <laughs> we're all Cockneys. <laughs> Oi, I love Oi. that. Yeah. Oi, and in Oi, yeah. And in return, they would um, <laughs> send their students back to us later, and they would perform a play for us. Or wow. well, we got out there, and the Russian and 
Russians invaded Czechoslovakia. <gasps> and there I was, you know, um, what was I, 19, 18, nearly 19, in Prague, you know, um, supposedly to do this play. And there were tanks and soldiers and curfews, and it was <sighs> extraordinary. But I mean, what a great thing for a kid to, to be faced with. I mean, it was like, you're, it was like being in a movie. Wow. You know, we were we were in Wenceslas Square and we were told, keep away from the windows because there was sniper fire. Uh, I mean, you know, we were kids. Oh and we were, so the first thing you do is you run to the window. And have a look, <laughs> of course. Have a look, Curiosity. Yeah. And, and I remember we, me and our two mates went up to the, we thought, well, we can't go downstairs and we've got to keep away from the windows. So we could hear a noise. So we went upstairs to the top of the building and there was like a sort of utility washroom place, like a laundry. And there was this old lady, old Czech lady, and she had her arms wrapped around her and she was just rocking and wailing and just just weeping and making this awful guttural sound. And with the three of us just stopped and just didn't know what to do, just looked at her. And then suddenly it hit us. This is not a movie you're in. This is not fun. This is a nation being overtaken. Yeah. It was shocking. Wow. And um and I remember when I I we stayed there, they moved us out of there and there were tanks all around the square and young boys with machine guns who had no clue why they were there. Wow. They were Romanians, I think, who were told by by um the Russians that they were going on maneuvers and when they got there it was a coup. So everybody was a bit, there were young boys, beautiful, some of them, looking at us and we were looking at them and it was like, what, what's going on? What are we you all know? doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And eventually I got back to England. I won't go through the whole thing. It's a, it's a whole film in itself. But eventually <laughs> when I, I got back, and they said, that's right, they said to us, you can't take any belongings. You might have to cross the border and leave your suitcase here. And me and my friend Brenda said, we're not leaving our suitcases. My mum made my clothes and I'm not leaving them here. If they're not going home, I'm staying here with my clothes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I said, or I'll walk across the border with my suitcase. I'm not leaving them here. We were adamant, the two of us, you know, because wow. we didn't have any money. We had, they mums had made us our clothes. Anyway, as it happened, we were allowed to go home. So we got home. We got on a... And by the time we got back, the train took us into Liverpool Street Station. And, I mean, I looked a mess. And as I got off the train, somebody ran up to me and said, Neats, that's my nickname, Neats, Neats, your mum's here. And I said, what do you mean my mum's here? And I heard this wail from the end of the platform. My baby! And this thing hurtled down the platform. People started to move apart. And I just stood there and my mother rushed down, followed by a pack of press, and grabbed me and put her arms over it. And there was a picture on the front page of the East London Advertiser with me surrounded, all you could see was hair, with my mother all over me and my and clutching me. My dad with his arms round me and my mum and my baby sister standing wow. looking like totally confused. Like, well, what's going on? And I said, what's this? And they, she said, I've been ringing the embassy every day saying, I want my daughter back. They said, Mrs. Dobson, we're dreadfully sorry, but everybody wants that. I don't care about everybody else. I and that's what the press were doing there. Wow. She caused such a furore. So at that little sort of drama group, um, so much happened. Mm. I, grew, I, I grew up, you know. So I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know I could make a career of it. Yes. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just do the next step. And the next step was to go to drama school. And then after that, I thought, well, I'll just... I'll just get a job 
And then I can say, I've done it. I've actually succeeded in acting properly and take it from there. And then one thing led to another. And then suddenly it, I, the, the needle had gone in the arm and I was a total addict. Yeah. I just couldn't stop, you know. I think a lot of that, those early kind of experiences, you know, the, the, the colleges or the schools or the trips or, you know, those life lessons that you, that you learn very early on do give you that kind of resilience to sustain. They're kind of, whether you're going to, not make or break, but it's it's about resilience and sustaining a career as opposed to, oh, I've made it. That's, you know, going towards this pinnacle that I, I don't think is realistic. But it, for me, it's about yeah. longevity. And do you think you, you, I guess it's a bit different now, but did you plan any of your route or, or was it, because um, <laughs> some people do, some people go, right, I'm, I'm not going to do theatre anymore. I'm now going to be, a character actress on the telly or now I'm going to do people just voiceovers or now I'm going to do you know just theatre did you ever plan it or was it literally circumstantial what when the phone rang you were like I'll try this or because I know you always say to me oh I'm just a working girl but it, it, you've done some such incredible theatre pieces and television roles and have you ever gone right this is what I want to do now can you oh, spoke to your agent and said right can we go on this route no. Not, I suppose in my latter years now, I'm much more selective. I can't because I can be. Yeah. But really, no. When I when I was younger, I just I I'm a day at a time gal. You know, you can't worry about the past; it's dead and gone. You can't predict the future because you've got no control over it. You can only live in the now. So I'm mm-hmm. very much a person that lives in the now. And so I just thought, well, I'll just get that first job. And I was very lucky. Some agent said if you come with me, I'll get you a job. I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I did that. And um, while I was there, I did an audition for, um, oh God, auditions, that's a whole nother book, isn't it? Um, don't even go there. <laughs> uh, said to me, um, will you audition for the Glasgow Sits? This was a big turning point in my career. And I'm, yeah, okay, I'll do that. You know, I'm already up here at Teesside. And um, yeah, so I auditioned and um, oh, it was a shocking audition. I shut myself in a broom closet on stage because I was so nervous. I left and said, thank you very much. Opened the door, went in, went into a cupboard that was on stage part of the set and stayed there for the next three auditions because I was too scared to come out. And then in the middle, and then there was a break and I opened the door and said, thank you very much. And left. <laughs> uh, but I got the job. And so that started me. I went to Glasgow and I was there for about a year and a half, two seasons, and I did everything. Parts I was much too young for, you know, Ibsen, Chekhov, um, Marlowe, all Tambourine the Great, you know, really amazing stuff, you know. Um, a, lot of, a lot of those parts, like La Pompia was really good, you know, uh, grounding for yeah. that because some of the parts were... You know, we did we did Macbeth, we did I was one of the witches and they did it as a rock group. You know, it was like it was wonderful. And it was a very it was the, the glitter days, they call it, of Glasgow Sits, where uh, all the boys were playing the women's parts. And I remember we did Tartuffe. They said to me at drama school, you'll never do Juve leads. You're a character actress. And the first thing I got when I got to Glasgow was the Juve lead. And um, we went out on a matinee very early on. And I had a beautiful costume. And there was a lot of Boy Scouts or young, you know, young lads in. They started wolf whistling. And as I came off the stage, the lead guy in the play said to me, Oi, I get the wolf whistles. Ooh. And I said, I said, oh, okay, okay. You know, because there was a lot of, you know, it was the gay era has suddenly taken off. You know? I said, that's fine. I'm not, 
I'm not competitive. It's absolutely cool with me. I said, but I have no control over the audience. You know, I'm, but what, what they do is up to them. I can only play the part as I, you know, as I've rehearsed it. So, you know, great, you know, you please take it. It's yours, you know. But um, so it was a very strange little, but it, it was fascinating. It, it taught me so much. I was way out of my depth, you know, yeah. kid from Stepney. Suddenly you're in Glasgow sits and there's these beautiful men, you know, covered in glitter and <laughs> with manes of hair. I was awestruck and, you know, and just completely fell in love with the whole place, you know. Oh. And that's really where I got, I think, a lot of ground. That was like a real going back to drama school, actually, but doing it. And I remember Mike Gwillem, who was the lead, one of the leading actors there, who was marvellous. I used to watch him every night and just in awe and he said to me what do you like best darling he said do you like the rehearsals best or the performing I said oh of course the performing you know I was green and he went hmm that will change and I know what he means now because <laughs> the best bit is uh, the rehearsal it is the rehearsals are the best bit but it takes time to get to that point I think it does your, your it completely changes and you you know you touched on auditions and auditions yeah. change don't they from when you start out I mean I used to be quite blissfully not naive but have kind of a, a confidence going into auditions fearless I think when I was younger and now it, they terrify me and I don't think I audition well I know some people do some people don't and now there's a level of expectation if because of oh, various yeah. jobs that you've done and, pe and people are waiting for you to deliver and mm. there's you know they want you to walk in the room and they want you to be this special thing do you I, I mean, I guess it's probably a mixture for you, but do you still have to audition? And how is auditioning for you now? Or do you just go, no, I'm at a point, I'm not going to do it anymore. You either give me the job or you don't. Well, I kind of have two, yeah, lots of feelings about that. I mean, I like to audition because I like them to know what they're getting. I don't do want them you? to book me. Oh, I don't want brave. them to book me, <laughs> to book me just on what they think they think they know of me. I want them to, to actually know me. Mm. And I like being in the room. There's a chemistry that happens in the room that doesn't work, you know, that just on Zoom or just by oh, talking. Yeah. But I get incredibly nervous. Yeah. So if it's somebody who I've like, I don't know, something happens that... I've gone into some auditions and I've known I've got it kind of thing, you know, or even if I haven't got it, I'm going to do a good audition mm. because you there's a, a, an immediate connection with the people that you're auditioning for. Yes. I've also gone into another room and you think they don't want me. Um, I don't know why I know that, but I do. Yeah. From the core of my being, I know that they don't want me, yes. but I've got to go through with it. And I have been so nervous. I've stood holding onto a piano and refused to move into the centre of the room <laughs> out of sheer fear and feeling in the wrong place <laughs> and in the wrong at the wrong time. And then in others, I've gone, oh, I can do this. And, and I'm off, you know, getting yeah. all my, my my little my gadgets out of my toolbox. You know, So I think a lot of things depend on how you connect mm. with the person in the room. Yeah. I mean, they're fearful. They're never going to get any better auditions, but um, they're a necessary evil, I suppose. People kind of, I don't know, there's a, yeah, some of them are really good and it's nice to have auditioned and some, of, and some people you want to audition for because you like them and you want them to like you. Mm -hmm. And then other times you think they just want to see what they've seen on the television or they want to see me perform or, or they're sitting there saying... So come on, let's see, you know, we've been told you're whatever, whatever, let's see what you've got. Mm. And you don't, I don't, I'm like, as you said, I don't perform particularly well because I just think 
I feel awkward, uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know what you're looking for. You don't know what you're looking for. You've got me in for reasons other than the ones that you just, you know, are seeing people. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're, they're very difficult. And I <laughs> I think, but I always, I'm, I don't know about you, Kerry, but I still put my head on the block every time. Because, I mean, I remember somebody said to me, an audition for a job, I really wanted it. And I played the part to a lot of success and word had got around and they asked to see me and I went up for it for the same part which I wasn't actually castable for because somebody took a chance on me and cast me slightly off field and it really worked so they wanted to and they were like okay we want to see that and I thought no no you I can't give you that mm. in the room a I, I'm in the middle of another show and I haven't actually had time to to practice to rehearse very much so I, and they said just come in and sing and it wasn't that it was come in and be that mm. be what we everybody said they saw and and I couldn't and I was mortified when I didn't get it but it was my fault because I should have said no I haven't got time to actually do a rehearsal I'm, I'm not going to come in but because I wanted it so yes. badly and I thought if you don't go you'll lose the chance I went so you've just got to go with your gut just go with your gut and if you make a mistake you've got to go okay I screwed up end of I think you're right. I think it's it's kind of in us. It's in our blood to that phone goes and there might be an opportunity. And even if you don't feel you're quite right for it, your your kind of instinct is to go. Yeah. Is to even if you go and it's awful and it, it, it's weird. I've and it it's a really difficult thing to say no and to say I, I don't think I'm right for this or I don't think I want to quite do that job because our I don't know what it is. It's something in us that goes, we have to work, we have to move on, we have to have that opportunity. We, it, I don't know yeah. what it is, but I guess it's I guess it's in us. This episode of Keep Calm and Carry On is sponsored by ACT London. ACT is the natural deodorant that really does work with gorgeous fragrances, stunning plastic-free packaging and unrivaled performance at its core. Their slogan is Born to Perform, not only because it works, but because the brand was created by two West End performers, Ed Curry and Andy Coxon. The guys simply couldn't find a deodorant that worked for eight shows a week under those hot lights in those same costumes. Ah, oh, I certainly know what that feels like. Act is now the winner of Harper's Bazaar's Best Deodorant Beauty Award and has been named the number one deodorant by Vogue, Esquire and Pop Sugar. I've been using it myself and honestly, I love it. If you like the sound of ACT, the boys have given me an exclusive code to share with you. Keep Calm 20 for 20% off at actlondon.com. That's A-K-T London.com. Thanks, boys. Um, have you ever been in a job that's... Um, have you ever been in a show or a part or character where you've it's been, too, it's been kind of overwhelming and too much and you think, you know, I can't quite cope with this? Is it, and then... How have you dealt with that, if you have? Um, when, you mean, when you say it's overwhelming, do you mean, in what way? You mean the parts? The part, difficult? yeah, that like you can't get a handle on it or it's been, it's just been too much uh, out, of, out of your depth kind of thing. Uh-huh, okay, gotcha. Um, well, I, I did do, um, I auditioned for a part uh, many years ago now, um, which was for a play called The Island of Slaves. Right. It was a Marivaux play, which was translated from the French into the English. And um, I went up for it and... Um, and I got it. And Neil Bartlett was the director, who's divine. And we started work on it. And I thought, I'm just not there. I'm just not getting it. I know I'm not. I'm not, there's some, not, I'm not connecting with her. And I don't know how to do this. So I went to Neil and I said to him, 
can I have a word with you? And he said, of course you can. So I said, uh, I can't do this. And he went, what do you mean? I said, I can't do this. I just, it's, I think I'm out of my depth. And he said, okay. He said, um, do you know why I picked you for it? And I said, no, you're going to tell me though. And he said, well, there was two actresses that went up for it. He said, but when I saw you, I needed someone to bring something to this part because I connect to this part hugely. He said, the pain and what she's been through and the anger she feels and the way she resolves it is I feel to the bottom, to, the, to my roots. And I needed someone that could say that for me. I said, don't say anymore. Thank you. Bye-bye. And I left. And from then on, that was it. Yeah. It just went ka-chum. Yeah. I just needed to know where to go. And suddenly he pointed in the direction of where I went. I had to go to, to, fill, to, fill, it, to fill myself up with her. Yes. And yeah, so I think you have, to, you have to be honest. I think if, you're, if something's, you're not getting something or you're screwing something up, you have to put your hands up and go, hang on. Um, I'm not, I don't get this. Mm. It's like when you're in a room, you know, when you're in a room sometimes and everybody's coming up with these brilliant, you know, things, everybody's really talking, really clever, yes. erudite stuff. And you're thinking, this isn't going to help me do the play, but I'm going to listen, you know. And then eventually you get to a point and then somebody, and you just go, excuse me, I don't understand what you're talking about. Don't know what you mean. Can you explain it in layman's terms, please? There's a silence hits the room because they don't know either. No, they don't. <laughs> People are frightened to ask the questions sometimes, exactly. aren't they? Always ask that question. I, I don't that. understand. What do you mean? I love and then, that. Yeah, then, you know, don't be, don't be scared of being a fool. That's the thing I've learned. And I was for a long time. I was petrified to open my mouth. As I've got older now, I always ask the question. I'm the, I will ask the question that is the elephant in the room. You know, like it's brilliant this though. Isn't everyone working. wants that person. Everyone is dying for that person to ask that question though, because we're all floundering. Everybody's kind of sitting there terrified. That's brilliant. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, so go. I have to talk about EastEnders because it's it it's it was. I mean, it was huge. I mean, I grew up watching you on my screen, and uh, it it was it was massive. I actually didn't realise it felt like you had done it forever because it was such a big deal. But actually, it was only a few years, wasn't it, that you were in EastEnders? Yeah. Um, how, how was the whole experience for you? Was it, did it suddenly put you on a different scale? Because it suddenly shot you into, you're obviously do, doing really well with, with theatre work and TV work prior to that, but this was another level. It, it made you a household name and the, the character just resonated with the world almost. And it was, it was, it was a game changer. How how was it for you? It's a big question, um, I guess. No, yes, it is a big question. Um, it was it, for me when it first happened. <laughs> um, it was just a chance to have a regular job. I mean, I'd been I'd been knocking around for quite a while by then. I was in my thirties, and um, I'd I'd been banging around in rep and doing all sorts of bits and bobs, you know. And um, suddenly, this came along. And it came along in a very strange way. Um, but when I got it, um, I mean, I I knew her immediately. She was, for me, it was almost like a culmination of my life to that point. It was my mum, my family, my community. It was every pub I'd been into. It was, um, it was my essence. So I connected with her immediately plus it was all those parts that I'd done in Glasgow you know all those heavy Ibsen Chekhov and you know 
it had all those emotions. She was like, she was, she was multifaceted. She, she was like a, a diva, like a drama queen in this tiny little, you know, microcosm of the world. So I knew when I picked the script up, I thought, oh, this is, this is a winner. This is different. Um, oh. and, but it wasn't until I watched the very first episode go out. We were all in the canteen at the BBC at Elstree. And I remember I looked at it and I thought, oh, this is good. That was all I thought. I just thought, oh, this is good. Never thinking, of course, it would, you know, change my life in mm. the way it did. But I just knew, as I had when I picked up that first script, that it was good, mm. that it just worked. And Leslie and I had a chemistry that was totally unexplainable to each other, to anybody else. It's just, he used to say to me, your mouth shuts, mine opens. My mouth shuts, yours opens. You would never know if any of us, if we dried ever, because we covered each other completely. You would never know. We, we improvised. In fact, sometimes I remember there was a, um, one of the writers, of which we had some fantastic writers in mm. those early days, was looking at her script and smiling and looking at us. And then sort of looking back at the script with a, a kind of questioning look as if to say, did I write Did that? I? <laughs> They're making it out. <laughs> but did I write it? But oh, it, And then she put it down, just kind of connected. It, it just went. It just, just worked. worked. And there was one episode in particular very early on. And I remember I was sitting on the stairs. It was a closer. It was before the doof doofs, you know. And I was sitting on the stairs with Roly, the dog, sitting next to me. God bless him. He's lovely. And uh, I was talking to her. And she's telling him, uh, uh, you know, her life. You know, she's how it is she's her woe she's giving him all her problems and the dog was dutifully sitting there listening you know so I was stroking him and sort of chatting away to him and there was silence on the set and I started to cry as I was talking to the dog and in the back of my brain you know what it's like on stage you're you're in it but sometimes if like a flat falls down there's a bit of you that goes that girl's going to get hit get her out of the way you know you're still thinking aren't you and there was a bit of me there that thought I think I've just cracked it because I knew that suddenly people were looking and were like, oh, my God, this is like real, you mm. know. And when it finished, it went really quiet. And I thought, I'm in. That's that it. it. And that was it. And I knew I'd, the woman had suddenly gone, she'd flowered on screen, you know. And that was it. I loved playing her. I <sighs> loved, loved, loved her. It was, And, yeah, I mean... It was like, I mean, again, it was double faceted, like like me in drama school, you know, the mm, voice, the yeah. Cockney voice. And the, Angie was like glamour personified, mm. like a movie star, you know, in the pub, you know, gorgeous clothes, makeup, masses of gelled hair, you know. And um, and then you'd see her upstairs, you know, mascara all over her face, hair all over the place, this horrible blue dressing gown, which I've still got. You know. <laughs> um, and... Looking a mess, you know, absolutely wrecked, crying her eyes out, screaming, moaning, you know, singing, drunk, drunk, yeah, drunk. Yeah. It was everything that I loved it. All of that to play. There was so much, you know, so much that you could do. So, yeah, it changed everything for me. It gave me a window. It gave me a playground to just open my toy box and go, I got this. I got yes. this, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. It was magic, you know. But there was a point and I knew it. I knew when it I knew when the point was where I thought, mm, it's changed now. And there's only so I know, trust me, but there's only so many ways you can play drunk before you start to go round and repeat. And I didn't want to yep. repeat. So I knew there was a point where you either have to re re 
birth her mm-hmm. or you have to you have to move on yeah Th- that must have been so difficult though to leave something that was so successful you know you guys you were the show it was all about you guys and and to I mean that that specific episode that again is the most watched ever. You know it the, the, it was so famous. To make that decision to leave, you know something so successful must have been really difficult. No, it wasn't actually. <laughs> it wasn't. It was. It was inevitable. Um, it was just mm-hmm. I got to a point. Then once they split us up and gave us gave Angie her own pub, something happened. It's like, don't split up a double act. Don't split up a winning ticket. You know, that changed Mm -hmm. things, changed chemistry between us, of course, because we weren't living under the same roof. That was the thing. They hated each other, loved each other under the same roof. That was the the wonderful thing. So that changed things. And then, then gradually the actual, the, the kind of tempo, the feel of the show was moving as it should do and as it must do into a different way and I just thought and I was starting to get asked to do other things you know do you want to write a book Mm. and which I did do you want to make a record which I did Mm -hmm. and they and they didn't really want us to they wanted us to stay focused on the show and I thought I'm getting pulled so Mm -hmm. I have to make a decision either not to be pulled anymore and to stay with this and do another year two years or to go and see what I can do. Yeah. And, I decided, and I knew I had to go and, and fight because it wasn't young then. You know, by that point, I was coming up to mid-30s. I thought, you know, now you're at a point where you're not a baby anymore. Mm-hmm. You haven't got time to... You have to go out and see what's what. Yeah. So I left. Oh, well, it's, I mean, it's so memorable for me. It's so, so amazing. I'm um, talking about something else that's hugely, uh, I guess, public and, and exciting and on our screens more recently is Strictly. You, you put yourself up for Strictly and you were so magical. And actually, I'm talking to Robin um, next, actually. He's, oh! he's coming on. And, uh, um, I'm giving so much love I will me. do. I will do. And, uh, I, I mean, we loved watching you. I absolutely loved watching you. And I know you enjoyed doing it. Um, Up to a point, I did, it's, yes. It's a lot, though, to take on. Um, yeah. I mean, how, why was, why did you feel that that was the right time to do it? And, uh, and, and how was it for you? I know you enjoyed it, but was it, was it more than you expected? Did you have dance history? I'm asking you so many questions in one question, but I'm so excited by it. No, no. Um, and did you have dance history? Because you looked like you were just a natural. No, I never trained as a dancer. I should have done. I know I should because I, I, I do have a dancer's soul. I love dancers. They're the backbone of our industry and the unsung heroes of the war. Um, I love them. And I think I, but if I'd, if I had trained, I wouldn't have had the career I've had. Mm. So, you know, it's roundabouts and swings. Um, never look back. Um, but I do, I do have that in me that I want to dance. I feel, I mean, I used to feel when I was a kid that, I could go on point and I could do it, you know, <laughs> yeah. with no training. I used to feel it was in my blood somewhere, but I didn't train. So when I went into Strictly, I was as green as grass. But what I did was I parked my career and then thought, I'm going to just pretend I'm a dancer. And then when I finished, I went back and picked my career up again. Yeah. But um, to answer the other question, they'd asked, they asked me to do it the first time. And I said, no, absolutely not. I don't want to do reality TV. No. And said no categorically. Second time they asked me, I went, no, it's still no. The dresses are divine. And I've got, I have fashion in my life. My mother was a dressmaker. My father was a dress cutter. You know, I love clothes. But 
I, no, and I don't want to make a fool of myself, so no. And then the third time they asked me, I was 62. Mm. And Barry, my agent then, Barry Burnett, said to me, look, they're asking again, seriously, <laughs> well, what do you think? You know, you're going to go on saying no, or do you think you might? And I was talking to my best friend, Annie, and she said to me, well, let me ask you, what are you scared of? Why, why are you hesitating? Because you love the clothes, you love the show, you love dancing. What's stopping you? And I said, well, I suppose I don't really want to make a fool of myself on TV in front of everybody. She said, at 62, do you care? And I said, no, I don't. So I said, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and that was it. Aww. I just, I wasn't afraid anymore. And I loved it. I loved being in the, the best bits, actually, were the bits that I feared. The bits of being in the studio with Robin, with the cameras on. I loved it. It was like having a friend in the room. You know, you yes. could just say, what is he doing? You know, he's actually sweating brown because he was tanned, you know. And we had such fun. Yeah. I mean... We laughed so much. I never counted steps, never. We just did it. You know, it was... So, and he was a brilliant choreographer. Oh, Wonderful. I'd say, I can't do that. And he'd go, let me show you. I'll break it down. Let me show you. And da-da-da-da-da-da. Round the world, round the world spins. We did them. You know, it was like, yeah. And ending up, you know, on top of his head and all sorts of yeah. stuff. It was... I loved it, Kerry. It, but when it got halfway through, it got tough. Yeah. Um, because then you had to learn more dances. And I thought, I'm 62 and I actually haven't got it in me. I don't think I, my little brain can actually do that. <laughs> and also it started to get more competitive mm -hmm. and I'm not like that. Yeah. If somebody's fighting for space, I'm the person that will go, if you want it that much, babe, Off you go. go get it. It's yeah. yours. Yeah. Because I can wait my time and I don't mind if I only get two minutes. I make the most of those two minutes when yeah. I get them. But if you need to do that, you need to do that. So it wasn't, I was there to have fun. Yeah. And they kept saying, you know, be funny, do this, do that, you know, because you know, we, want, we want to see. And I thought, no, no, I just want to dance. Yeah, that's all I want. Do the job. Know. Well, we loved yeah. watching you. You were so amazing. I mean, it was sad at the end, obviously, when Robin couldn't finish with you. And oh. you had, but I mean, Brenda, um, you, uh, who did you finish with? Who did you? Brendan. Brendan, Brendan. that's it. And, and he, he made, he said to me, he sat me down when we did do it, we did shutter. And because um, I was quite scared of him, you know. And he said to me, so, he folded his arms for the first day, and he said, so, um, how do you want to play this? I said, you tell me what to do, and if I can't do it, I'll put my hands up. Other than that, I'll have a go. He went, well, nobody said that to me before. Great, let's go. And that was wow. it. So off we went. And then one day he came in, and he said, it was quite near when we were going to do it. And he said, I want you to count all your steps for me, count your beats. I said, pardon? He said, I want you to count the half beats. <laughs> I said, I didn't even know there were half beats. What do you mean? <laughs> Where are the half? He said, I want you to count them all. I want you to go through the heart. So when I danced with him, I was a, that was probably me actually doing what dancers do. I counted my steps. Mm. From the minute my foot raised up on the beat, I, boom, I was counted every step all the way through. Now there's two, it's like acting, isn't it, mm. Carrie? There's two ways of doing it. You can be a natural, you get a part and suddenly you know it, yeah. you can do it. Another part, you really got to break it down. Yeah. You've got to do a bit of emotion, memory, a bit of this and that, you know, actually textbook stuff to get it. You've yeah. got to be more technical. It was the same with that. Some of the dances, you have a part that's chemistry, Oof, you just do it another one you need to actually do it work yeah, and yeah, count it yeah. and work it so I, I had the chance to do it both ways if you like if you you know oh it's amazing I just I but just the clothes, oh the clothes. you looked amazing I mean you you look fabulous anyway I mean are you quite physical 
in your daily life or is it just how you're built I mean I don't think you stop I think you're just running around 100 miles an hour all the time but are you aware of like your physicality or is it just something that you're naturally blessed with (laughs) being slim and gorgeous I'm the laziest woman God put breath in (laughs) my my audition song was always I know Cole Porter's laziest girl in town that was my audition song because it's me (laughs) that is me um but having said that I am very physical very tactile um and I and I feel that acting is about doing Mm. there's always a bit with me where if you talk too much I always want to go can we stand up and do it it. yeah just because we won't know until we try it you know you Give it a go. If it doesn't work, right back to this, the drawing board. But let's give it a go. So I suppose I am a very physical animal. Somebody mm. said that to me when I was very young. They said, you know, people are ruled by their head, their heart, and their, their physique. Mm. He said, and you are physique first and then heart. He said, that's you. And that's true, you know. And if the, if sometimes the physical stuff can unlock the emotional it's, stuff. I feel like that. It's meth- If I stand up and do something, suddenly all the lines click for some reason. It all just <laughs> falls into place. Um, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but I, I'm going to have to wrap it up at some point. But I have a couple of little questions to ask you okay. before I let you go. Um, it, what's been, I mean, this is going to be a really difficult one because there's been so much, but has there been a moment that sticks out for you that's been a high point or one of the highest points in your career that is just so more special than the rest? I know it's it's a difficult question when people say, oh, what's your favourite show? It's hard, but is yeah. there a moment that just stands out for you? There's so many, really. <laughs> and there's lots of pivotal moments in my life. So I couldn't I couldn't possibly list one. It's like saying... You know, when people do say, what is your favourite drink? And yeah. you think, if I say that, everybody's going to buy me that for the rest of my yes. life. And, and I, my tastes change, of you course, know. yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. But all that I can feel in my head talking to you right this moment is the Oscars. <gasps> oh, my God. Going to the Oscars. Oh, my God. That's a bummer. Through wow. no... Through no talent of my own, (laughs) simply on someone else's back, my husband's, you know, film. But to get to go to the Oscars and and have people talk about me (laughs) in the press afterwards, I, I just that to me, I thought, well, you've done it. You've got, and then lockdown. Of course, the Oscars will never be the same. So I got there before. You know, before that old movie star oh, thing amazing. disappeared. How wonderful! How brilliant yeah. is that? How glamorous is that? And I guess has there been a a tougher point, a lowest point that's been harder than the rest? I mean, again, it's up and down our careers, isn't it? So it's all very, it's a long journey. But has there been a moment that's been more of a struggle than perhaps? There have been there have been dark times. Yeah, there have been times in my career. Uh, as a younger actress, I thought I would never work again. And there's been times where I've been on the dole and, you know, n- not two halfpennies to rub together. Although they were happy times, they were hard times. Um, there's been difficult times where you're trying to marry your career with your life. Suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, when you do get a life and then suddenly you, you still want to go out and do what you were doing mm. that's really hard to when you're on your own you're free you can do whatever you want yep. the choices are then you can go yeah I will I'll, I'll go to to um to Belgrade I will and I'll, <laughs> I'd love to, to do that play and I'll, I'll go to America and do Oedipus yeah mm. I'm your girl but suddenly when you've got a, you know animals a house 
a husband, a life, a big life, you know, it's really tough. Somebody's got to, you know, keep the home fires burning. And, you know, maybe in women still, I'm sorry to say it, I mean, but still, we are the ones that really are the ones that have to keep both going. Mm. For men, it's a much simpler decision, you know, but so there have been, yeah, there have been points where you think, and there have been points where I've doubted myself and thought, but then I think we always doubt ourselves. I've always thought, you know, all my life, Kerry, to cut it down to the nub, I've always thought, you're not tall enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not talented enough, you didn't go to university, um, you're not clever enough, you don't um, you don't read enough, you don't work out enough, you don't look after yourself enough, you don't, mm. you just, not enough. You know, it said on my school report when I was young, I remember, could do better, that's dogged me my whole life, could do better. I think it's, it's what we do, isn't it? I think it's I think it's in our nature because what we do is so personal. We put ourselves out there. We can't help but be self-critical. And it's it's how you navigate through that. And I guess those moments of exhilaration when you do those certain shows, those certain rehearsals, they make it worth it. They make us go out and they make us keep banging our heads against the wall and go for that next job. And we can't, we can't help it. But I think it's, it's a weird, it's a weird industry, but, um, but it's a beautiful one too. Yeah. Well, I can't let Anita go without asking her my final question that I ask all my celebrity guests. If you could look back at your 20 year old self and give yourself a piece of advice that you've been given or you would give yourself, what would it be of how to keep calm and carry on? Wow, it's quite a very emotional question. <laughs> um, I think I would tell myself, don't do do what can happen to you in life, which is look back and think, I wish I'd known that I actually was attractive. And I wish I'd known that if I just had a bit more confidence, I could have I could have done that. Don't I don't look back as a rule, but I think I would say to myself, be kind to people, listen to life, listen to your instinct, your guts will never let you down. And if you make a mistake, own it and use it. Use everything that comes to you in your work. Help it make your work better and help it make you a better person because everything that happens to you can be a tool. Don't let it be something that knocks you back. Let it be something that moves you on. Anita, oh, you, oh my goodness, you've made me cry. It's been so lovely emotional too. to chat to you and see you. And, uh, you know, especially at this this time, then we're not seeing people. And to hear your stories, I know they're going to, you know, resonate with lots of people and inspire lots of people. So I can't thank you enough. I hope your your next few weeks are okay. You survive this lockdown and we get back out there and get on our stages and on our screen. And all the best. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Kerry, it's been, you're delightful and I'm thrilled and honoured to be on your show. So thank you so much, darling. God bless you. Go from strength to strength. Well, that is it for another week. Oh, Anita, what a brilliant chat. You know, I love that when you've known someone for a long time and you still learn new things about them. I mean, all that stuff about her acting when she was younger. How brilliant. Ah, the stories, the chats. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to the lovely Anita Dobson. And thank you to my lovely producer, Martin, at peroxidemedia.com. Of course, our lovely sponsors, Act London. And to you, our listeners. Hit subscribe, leave us a review. Please tell your friends and family. It is so great to get the podcast out there. 
I love making them. So if you guys keep listening, keep telling your friends, then I can still make them. Yay! Also, don't forget to check out my new song, Panic Attack 2021. The video is on YouTube and it is free. Thank you so much for joining me again this week and I will see you next week. Once again, a huge thank you to my sponsors, Act London. Thanks for coming on board, guys. It's really great to have you with us. It really does work, I promise you. I get up in the morning, I put it on, it smells gorgeous. I'm loving the orange scent at the moment, and it really does work. I'm running around, I'm exercising. My kids, you know, they really do wear me out, and this stuff really does work, I promise you. And don't forget to use my exclusive discount code for 20% off at the checkout. Keep calm 20 at actlondon.com. That's A-K-T-London.com. Oh.